My beloved brothers and sisters in the faith, praises be to our loving Abba for again gathering and assembling each and every one of us to worship and to serve this appointed time. We know that we focus ourselves on the teachings of our King Yahusha HaMashiach because it is our aim and objective to be like him. At the present time, we are devoting ourselves to study the Sermon on the Mount, a series of teachings by Yahusha himself that teach to transform us so that we can become like him. Last week, we talked about one of the Beatitudes, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, which we know means to the proper recognition and awareness of our spiritual poverty or bankruptcy, which is why we are always dependent upon Yahusha, our king, to be put right with our almighty God. Today, we're going to study another attitude we need to possess, change of mind and a change of heart so that we can become like Yahusha and be prepared to receive the salvation for our souls. So what also must we possess in our mind as an attitude to possess so that we can become like Yahusha, our king? Let's read now the book of Matthew Chapter 5 and the verses 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Last week, we talked about those who are poor in spirit. Today, let's talk about those who mourn. The Bible says, blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Now, what does it mean to mourn? It basically means to feel deep sorrow. You see, when you feel deep sorrow about something, you are deeply concerned about that. In this life, there, is, there are times to rejoice, and there are also times to mourn, to express deep sorrow. We need to know the times when we need to show and express deep sorrow. We need to understand what we need to be sorrowful about. And so who is an example of one? who was deeply sorrowed in his life. Let's read in the book of John 11, 33 to 36. Yahushua saw her weeping, and he saw how the people with her were weeping also. His heart was touched, and he was deeply moved. Where have you buried him? He asked them. Come and see, Lord, they answered. Yahushua wept. See how much he loved him, the people said. So who is an example of one who wept because of deep sorrow? We know it is Yahusha HaMashiach. What we read is one of two public instances where Yahusha specifically wept. He showed his mourning. He showed deep sorrow. What is one instance? It was the time when he went to the gravesite of Lazarus, his friend. And why did he weep when he went to the gravesite? Because not only did he see Lazarus in the grave, he also saw the weeping of his closest friends and loved ones. And so what did Yahushua do? He wept together with them. He mourned together with them. The Bible says to mourn with those who mourn and to rejoice with those who rejoice. What was the subject of the sorrow of Yahushua? It was death and the sorrow that death brings. We need to also show sorrow and, re and remorse and show mourning when it comes to the problem of death. But besides this, at what other instance 
did Yahushua show that he was greatly in sorrow? Let's read now the book of Luke, chapter 19, 41 to 42. He came closer to the city. Want to pause for a while? What city do you think he was referring to there? City of? Is it Manila? What city is he talking about? Jerusalem, right? He came closer to the city, Jerusalem. And when he saw it, he wept over it, saying, If you only knew today what is needed for peace, but now you cannot see it. When was also the other time when Yahushua in public began to weep? It was the time when he got close to the city of Jerusalem. What did the city of Jerusalem represent? The people of Israel. Yahushua was sent to the people of Israel. For what? To be their Mashiach. To be their king. To give them salvation. To give them deliverance. But what did Yahushua say? They rejected him because they could not see that he was the king that was appointed for their deliverance. And because of this, Yahushua said, they cannot see that I am he who is to give them peace. And so he wept because he knew judgment and destruction was to come upon Jerusalem and all of Israel. And so in the two instances where we find Yahushua weeping and mourning, it has something to do with death and judgment. Brethren, what is the root cause of death and judgment? Is it not sin? Because of sin, what did Yahuwah God do? He appointed death and judgment. Because of this, what is the instruction of Scripture concerning sin that we sometimes commit in our life? Let's read the book of James, chapter 4, 8 down to 10. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. According to scriptures, we who sometimes commit sin against God, what must we do according to the holy scriptures? Bible says, we need to grieve, we need to mourn, we need to wail when we are guilty of sin. Unfortunately, what is the problem with many people today? They don't even recognize sin. It's not in their vocabulary. They remove sin from their life. They call it a choice. It's my life. It's my choice. They don't recognize the sovereignty and the authority of God. And so people commit sin as though it was nothing. The Bible says we have to be different. How so? When we are guilty of sin, what must be our heart's response? Bible says change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. In other words, we need to feel the sorrow that sin brings in our life. Brothers and sisters, how do we feel when we commit sin? Do we still feel the sorrow of sin? Do we feel the pain in our hearts? Does our conscience still work telling us we should not be committing sin against God? Why should we have deep sorrow when it comes to sin? Why must we mourn because of sin? The Bible says because when we do that, Yahuwah God will lift us up. He will comfort us 
and he will strengthen us. This is why Yahusha said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, and it will be God who will comfort us. And so the purpose of mourning because of sin is to keep keep us away from sin. However, why do people, instead of mourning because of sin, why do they seemingly enjoy living a life of sin? Why do they still continue to follow their sinful nature? Let's read the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, 12 down to 13. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We know that sin is not something God hates. We know that sin does not lead to salvation, but only to destruction. But even though we have this knowledge, why is it that people still commit sin? That's because of the deceitfulness of sin. Do you notice that sin is very deceitful? Because sin doesn't show you the destruction that comes after it. What does sin show you? It shows you the pleasure that comes from it, but not its destruction. What else is the deceitfulness of sin? It causes a person to say to himself, I will repent from my sin because I know God will forgive me anyways. I'll repent tomorrow and commit sin today. Isn't that the thinking of people? Anyways, God's going to forgive me. He's a loving God. He's a gracious God, a compassionate God. Even if I sin today, he's going to forgive me tomorrow anyway. So I'm just going to postpone my repentance. There's a big problem there. The more we postpone our repentance, the more difficult it gets to renew our life. Isn't that true? It's like a person who wants to lose weight because of health reasons. What does he say to himself? I'm going to diet. I'm going to start my diet, but not today. When, when is he going to start? I'm going to start dieting tomorrow. But the problem is when you keep postponing and postponing, unbeknownst to you what happens to your heart, it becomes more and more hardened with cholesterol until one day the heart no longer responds and one dies physically. The same thing happens spiritually. How so? The Bible says the heart is hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so when we keep postponing repentance, when we say to ourselves, I'll renew my life tomorrow. Anyways, God will forgive me. What happens to our heart? Begins to get hard. And when our heart becomes hard, what's going to happen to us? Bible says we begin to turn away from the living God. This is why the deceit of sin leads to the hardening of the heart that leads us away from God. Hence, we need to protect ourselves from the deceitfulness and the power of sin. How do we do that? How can we protect ourselves from sin? Let's read the book of James, chapter 1, 14 and 15. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. How can we protect ourselves from sin? When we prevent sin from growing. 
You see, when we commit sin, and all of us as human beings, whether we like it or not, none of us are perfect, eventually we're going to commit sin, right? What must we do when we are guilty of sin? Do not let it grow. What must we do so that we don't give sin the opportunity to grow? Do not go in places where we can be tempted and enticed by the desires that are already within us. This is why we have to learn to live wisely. If we know we have this inclination for alcohol, for example, why are we going to go to the bar? Because that will only serve as a place that will tempt you so that your desire can lead to sinful actions. Brethren, if we want to control sin, keep away from the places which entice us to commit sin. And if we are guilty of sin, do not let sin grow. Why must we not let sin grow? Because if we let sin grow, what will it give birth to? Bible says it will give birth to what? Death. This is why the problem of sin is a problem of death. It is a deadly problem. Not only does it bring death, it brings a certain kind of death if it is allowed to be fully grown. What kind of death is that? Let's read what it says in the book of Matthew chapter 5, 29 to 30. Yahusha is the one speaking here. So if your right eye causes you to sin, take it out and throw it away. It is much better for you to lose a part of your body than to have your whole body thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is much better for you to lose, to lose one of your limbs than to have your whole body go off to hell. What kind of death will sin bring if it is permitted, if it's allowed to continue to grow in one's life? Bible says, Yahusha himself says, we are in danger of having their whole body go off to hell. This represents not just the first death, but also the second death in the lake of fire. You see, when a person belongs to Yahushua, yet he rejects the teachings and the power of Yahushua and keeps hardening his heart, eventually he, be he, is, he departs from Yahushua. He is removed from the body of Yahusha. And so what does Yahusha instruct us to do? So that the power of sin will not reign in our life. Bible says if your right eye causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, you're supposed to take it out, throw it away. If your right hand causes you to do to, to sin, what are you supposed to do? Cut it off and throw it away. The right eye, the right hand, very small parts of our body. But if we permit it to grow and grow, it can infect the whole body and, and it can continue to destroy the whole body. What is the message of Yahusha? That if we commit sin, we are to mutilate physically ourselves? No, that's not the message of Yahusha. What is the message of Yahusha? We need to take seriously the power, the destructive power of sin. We need to do everything that we can possibly do to make sure sin will not reign in our life. You know, sin is worse than cancer. When you have cancer in your body, what do you want to do with that? You want to cut it off. You want to remove it and cast it away, throw it away, right? Cancer can destroy the body, but sin 
destroys not just the body, but also the soul. This is why Yahushua wants us to be aware that we need to do everything we can to take seriously our battle against sin. We need to remove sin from our life. Well, how can we begin to take control of sin? So in the event that we fall because of sin, we will be able to overcome sin. Let's read the book of Psalms 32 and the verses 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to Yahuwah, and you forgave the guilt of my sin, Selah. And so for us to make sure that we don't allow sin to grow so it takes over our life, how does that begin? It begins by acknowledging our sin and then confessing our sin. It goes in that order. We don't confess and then acknowledge. It's acknowledge first and then we confess. It's like diagnosis and treatment. Before you can treat a malady, you need to first conduct a proper diagnosis. Sin is worse than a physical sickness. It needs to be properly diagnosed. Hence, we need to acknowledge sin. But how can we acknowledge sin in our life? We need to examine self. Did you get that? We have to perform self-examination. Did you get that? We need to search self. But is that enough for us to be able to acknowledge sin in our life? It's not enough. Not only must we examine self, we need to also examine scripture. Why? So that we can see whether or not we are guilty of sin. What will tell us what sin is? It is scripture. This is why we compare our life with the standard of the word of God. Because the word of God is like a mirror. That is what will show us in our life as we search ourselves if we are guilty of sin. We need to do this on a daily basis, not just on the days of our worship. We need to do it daily because every day we could be guilty of sin. And so we need to acknowledge that. Once we acknowledge that we are guilty of sin, what must we do right away? We must confess our transgressions to Yahushua, through Yahushua, our mediator, and our Savior. If we do this, the Bible says God will forgive the guilt of our sin. However, is it enough simply to acknowledge our sin? Is it enough simply to confess our sin? For us to overcome sin, to keep it from reigning in our life. Let's read the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, 9 to 10. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. For you were made sorry in a godly manner, that you might suffer loss from us in nothing. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Is it enough simply to acknowledge, simply to confess sins to Yahuwah our God? So that we can overcome the problem and power of sin in our life. It's not enough. We need to also make a correspondent change with our heart. It's not enough to change our mind. It's not enough to acknowledge our sin. We need to also make sure our heart is changed because of sin. That we 
have something that happened in our heart. What must happen in our heart? What must we feel to be able to make that change? Godly sorrow. Take note, there's a difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Do you know what the difference is between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow? When people have worldly sorrow, they feel sorrow or pain because of the result of their mistakes, the consequences. However, godly sorrow is sorrow because they realize they sinned against who? Our almighty God. And so the part about godly sorrow at work is recognizing we sinned against God and focusing on that. And what else? Is the difference between godly sorrow and worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow, the Bible says, leads to repentance. Brethren, where does repentance happen? In our heart, right? It's when our mind and our heart agrees that we need to change our life so that we begin to show actions, works, and fruit that show that we are a changed person before the eyes of our God. Do you know who? is a good example of one who had godly sorrow and one who had worldly sorrow. Take the case examples of Apostle Peter and Apostle Judas. Did both of them commit sin? Yeah. What did they do? They both betrayed who? Yahushua, right? Did they both show sorrow because of what they have done? Yes. Judas felt sorrow, but the sorrow he felt was worldly sorrow. As a result, what did he do? He hanged himself. But Apostle Peter was different. His sorrow was godly. And so what became of his godly sorrow? Repentance. And he became the Apostle Peter that we know. The one who preached the gospel and continued to spread the light of God's words. And so, brothers and sisters, when we read the Bible... The people that we know, the, the characters, the notable characters of Scripture, they're not perfect, right? Moses was not perfect. Joshua was not perfect. Job was not perfect. Peter was not perfect. The notable characters of the Bible, they were not perfect. They committed sin, yes. They had imperfection, yes. But what was the difference? They had godly sorrow. When they recognized their sin and it changed their life, they responded by repentance and renewing their life. Who also is a good example of one who showed godly sorrow because of sin? Let's read the book of Psalms 51, 1 to 4 and 17. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. What we read there was about a sin about the sin of a great king. Do you know who this king was? King David. And if we remember David before he became king, who was the king of Israel? Saul. King Saul, King David, they're both kings of Israel, and they both were guilty of 
sin. Did Saul also commit sin? Yeah. But when he was confronted of his sin, what did he do? He made excuses for his sin. But when David was confronted because of his sin, what did he do? He repented because of his sin. How did he repent? He said, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned. You recognize his sin against God. He did not make excuses before God. He said to God, my sins are always before me. He understood he was guilty, but he mourned his sin. He felt sorry for his sin. And because of this, he went to his God and he begged God, have mercy on me. He asked for God's forgiveness. Why was David forgiven of his sin? Because he let sin break his heart. He mourned. His heart was contrite. And he took seriously the sin that he has committed against God. And this is what we need to also do. Brothers and sisters, if we know we are sinners, let us not, let us not make excuses or rationalizations about our sin. Let's go to God when we are alone. Just we and him and let God know what we have done and ask God, Father, please forgive me. If we will let our heart be broken because of sin, Yahuwah God will accept our repentance and he will forgive our sins. And when God forgives our sins, what should we ask him? In fact, before we pray together as a congregation, what should we always ask God? So that we can live a life that is pure and holy. That we can overcome sin. That it will not reign in our life. Let's read the final passages of our studies today. In the book of Psalm 51, 8, 10 to 12. Let me hear the sounds of joy, gladness. And though you have crushed me and broken me, I will be happy once again. Create a pure heart in me, O God. And put a new and loyal spirit in me. Do not banish me from your presence. Do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Give me again the joy that comes from your salvation. And make me willing to obey you. Brothers and sisters, let us ask Yahuwah, our God, that he will again create in us a pure heart. That he will make us willing to obey him. This is what David prayed for. He knew he committed sin and he doesn't want to commit that sin again. And so we ask God, change my heart. I don't know about you, brothers and sisters. Are you willing to pray that kind of prayer? Are you willing to go to your father, to your Abba, and say to him, Father, create a pure heart in me? Because when we pray that prayer, Yahuwah God will say yes. That's what he wants to do. But it must begin with our choice. We have to be the one to approach God and say to him, Father, I want my heart to be like the heart that you have given to your son, Yahushua. And if we pray that kind of prayer, he will give that heart to us. And when we have a heart that's pure, what 
shall we be able to experience the sounds of joy and gladness. We can receive again the happiness that comes from our salvation. Brethren, Yahuwah God wants to change us, but he cannot change us unless we tell him that we surrender to him. We give our heart to him that we can become more and more like his son. We can learn to mourn sin so that we can be comforted by him and strengthened by him. May this be accomplished by each and every one of us. Let us stand and we shall pray together. Everlasting Abba. Yes. Yahuwah. Yahuwah our God. Yes. Thank you so much for your mercy. Yes. The only reason any of us can stand before your presence. Yes, Father. Is what David has alluded to. Yes. What we know from scripture. Yes. Because it has been repeated again and again. Yes. He speaks about your unfailing love. Amen. That is the only basis. Yes. Father. The only reason why we can even approach you. Amen. And call you by your name. Amen. You love us so much. You gave up your son that we might be cleansed. You love us so much, even if we are guilty of sin. You desire to forgive us, to wash clean our souls from sin and remove the guilt and the punishment that come along with it. Father, sometimes we are ashamed. So much so that we... Hesitate to approach you. Yes. Because we know that you are holy. Yes. We are but human beings. Yes. Beset by sin and iniquity. Remind us of your love. Yes. That your love is far greater than our sin. And because of your compassion, we are cleansed deeply. Yes. Made worthy by means of your sacrifice. Father, forgive us now. Do not banish us from your presence. When we sinned against you, it is only against you that we have sinned. Our sin is before us. Remove now our guilt. Guilt can weigh so heavily upon us. Help us, Father. Remove this load. Cleanse us now that we might find peace and joy. The joy that comes from salvation. Yahusha, our King, we pray to you now. We thank you so much for leading us by being the best example of all. Help us to follow your lead. Help us to overcome sin, to remove it from our life, and to cleanse ourselves thoroughly to be worthy of your salvation. We know you are coming soon. Yes. Help us to prepare ourselves to look forward to your appearing. We long for you to come back, that we might be be with you and you with us. But we know that you want us to live a life worthy of you. 
Every day help us to change. Yes. We may not be perfect, but teach us to make progress, yes. to get better and better every day, yes. to become more and more like you every day. Yes. Be in our hearts always, Yahusha, our King, that yes. by your Spirit we can prevail and overcome all things in our life. Amen. Father, we ask you to please bless your people. Yes. All over the world, your people thirst for you. Yes. We want to feel your presence yes. manifested now, loving Abba. Yes. Be with each and every one of us. Yes. Heal your people. Yes. Some of us have been afflicted with different kinds of diseases. Yes. May you kindly give us your power of healing. Yes. Heal us, please, completely. Make us whole once again. Amen. We believe, Father, you have listened to our prayers. Yes, you have blessed each and every one of us. Yes, for we ask and beg everything in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yahushua, our King. Amen. Amen.